Interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic? Then Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today I have with me Ian Dennis. Ian has the distinction of two things. One, he's the youngest person to ever be on this podcast. So, Ian, uh, great news on that. Uh, Even younger than my daughter. Uh, Second of all, he is the son of a law school classmate and good friend as well. So, Ian, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you for having me. This is a pleasure. So, Ian, can you tell us uh, what your current status is and where you are located? I'm uh, currently uh, camping out in Vermont since I go to school at UVM. Uh, What happened was I went home for spring break, and then once everything started going in uproar and going down, I told my parents, uh, hey, you don't mind, I'm going to get away from the high population density of the uh, DMV, D.C., Maryland, Virginia metro area, or I should say DMV, it's our slogan. Decided to get away from that, and I've been uh, camping out in my apartment, really, ever since then. So where is the university you attend? Uh, Burlington. And how large is Burlington population-wise? Uh, oh, oh, I looked up, uh, I looked, I looked this number up recently, and so I should know it, but I unfortunately do not know it off the top of my head, but I can look it up just this moment. 42,000. Okay. So um, are, what year are you in school? A rising senior. And what's your major? Uh, studying uh, business and accounting. So could you tell us about your summer job? Because that's how we got reconnected recently. So, so as you might imagine, I was one of many people who had some plans kind of fall through as a result of everything that's been happening. Uh, actually, I had intended on working at, at a fan promotions at Vermont Lake Monsters over this past summer, but naturally there's no minor league baseball season to have. So, you know, three and a half, three and a half weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago at my, I was looking through my phone and then someone who had, and someone who I friended on Facebook and had sort of been nagging me to sort of uh, take, to take their job offer for, to take a job offer from her from the past year or so, reached out to me one more time and I was like, well, I'm not doing anything else this summer. So I was like, yeah, sign me up and I'll see, see what it's like. So tell us about the job you signed up for. Mm-hmm. So I worked for, I worked for Vector Mark, Vector Marketing, which is a marketing company. And we sell, uh, we sell Cutco cutlery knives. Our main products are mostly knives, but we also sell cookware, flatware, other sorts of gifts and accessories. But as you might imagine, our, Means a marine source of revenue is off of selling knives. So, uh, what intrigued me was you're doing all this virtually and literally talking to people across the country. Could you tell us a little bit about that process for you? Well, it's very. It's a. I don't know how to say this. It's more so a different skill, of which I would say I would historically don't tend to have. Like. After, after all, I spent an additional year in preschool because my parents were telling me I wasn't talking enough. 
And so it's kind of weird how now I'm working in a job where you have to convince people to buy a product and you've got to do lots of talking and show a lot of, a lot of excitement. <clears throat> so it has, so it's definitely, so it's definitely something new and it's been, I've been pretty comfortable with it so far. Well, it certainly sounds like it stretched you in a way that uh, perhaps you hadn't really uh, explored before. But the other thing that struck me was it's just not you calling up saying, hey, I'm Ian Dennis. I'd like to talk to you about this colory. You actually show them a video and which I think it does a great I've seen the video and it does a great descript, uh, pr- uh, job of describing the product, describe how it's manufactured, how it's used. And then you come on after the video and try to talk to the customer or potential customer. Could you talk about that really intrigued me that video part and that part of the sales process? I was wondering if you could say a few words about that. So as a part of our strategy to get people to buy products, we inter- we sort of chit chat with them at the start and then we show them the video, which explains many explains several of our products in depth and how and sort of what buying these knives are considered. We like to consider them an investment. Because these are because these are knives that are supposed to last you for a long, long time, <clears throat> and and so we we show that video, and then afterwards we afterwards is uh, our our duty as the sales representative to dig our way through the through what sort of some of the common items of which with which we sell, and then we sort of start. We start bit. We start offering our customers big, and then if they don't want all that much, we sort of work our way down to something smaller and smaller until something that until something fits them to what they might want, if at all. So, uh, how have you been uh, reach, reaching out? Or can I describe the process of how you reached out to me? Yes, you may. Okay, so uh, you call you cold called me and uh, you introduced yourself and you said uh, you you referenced another uh, customer potential customer that I'm well aware of mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to know if I would uh, uh, give you the time uh, to take a video call. Is that sort of how you are connecting with people? That's yeah, that's a good short. That's sort of a good short description on it. It's a part of, as a part of our strategy. It's a part of our strategy. We we're, we sort of don't dive into the specifics so people don't overthink too much. We sort of do the right amount to try to get them to say yes to us because it's, uh, it's kind of what you need to do if you want to sell things to people is kind of need people to say yes to the meeting first. That's one big step with which you follow into. And so, but yeah, it's ba- basically you, you sort of start off with, with most people, it's you, of course, you introduce, you introduce yourself and, as you aforementioned, sort of try to draw, draw a connection with them of any sort, whatever it may be, no matter how distant, vague, or super densely close it might be. Just sort of gain that sense of community and also just establish that you're not, you're not a complete stranger, as I might think there are. Just, yeah, just that one little thing in common can sort of up in their mood and be like, yes, him, her. It was like, ah, incredible. Well, you also well uh, well described that. And what intrigued me was sort of that entire process and how uh, that could actually be uh, incorporated into the my world, which is the corporate world, for the 
uh, discipline that I work in, compliance, to help compliance officers understand not only how to make a connection with someone, but how to communicate with them and then how to follow up that communication with a uh, a verbal communication or some other form. So I was really intrigued uh, by all of that and how you are utilizing these same strategies that I try to advocate uh, literally from your apartment in Burlington. Yeah, they real. Yeah, our, our company really ex- they teach they sort they really teach us how to sort of tackle in the right sort of way because sort of each way you do it, you're going to increase your potential customer's mood. The more likely you are to sell something and you know why else do we do these meetings over zoom face to face because you get that face-to-face interaction as if you're actually there in person in their house because what people what people in our company selling cucko have done in recent years is actually done presentations with them in person but naturally this is not exactly the time for that so the closest thing we can get to duplicating that per se is Set up the face of set up the face to face meeting. Really work on enunciation, articulation, and other sorts of communication skills so that they can so that they can really be convinced by you. Well, uh, those are great uh, strategies for the corporate world too. So, uh, thanks for sharing those with us. But now let's get to the fun part of this podcast. Because anyone who knows you uh, knows your family knows of your love for hockey and. Uh, uh, I would assume it's going to be professional hockey because that's all I've ever talked to you about, but perhaps it extends to, to college hockey now. But let's focus on the NHL. Uh, do you see any chance for the 2020 season finishing this year? I do. I, sort of, I, I definitely see a chance of it going, going both ways. It's all, it's all a question of if enough, play, if enough players want to play and then if not enough do, then they're – then you know they're not gonna, not exactly gonna finish if they don't feel like it. It's it's really this, the decision up to them, the players, if they want to play or they don't want to play. So, but as of, but I would say as of now, I feel like they'll find a way. I feel like they'll find a way to sort of get things done. It might not be super smooth, or maybe fewer. Maybe or maybe in some views it might be super bumpy. Other views it might not be. As bumpy, but I feel like they'll find. I think they'll find a way to do it. It's just going to be pretty strange. So, um, one of uh, we've heard a lot of information about how uh, the NBA is trying to create a bubble in Orlando. The uh, Major League Baseball is taking steps. We haven't heard as much about what the NHL is doing. Do you have any any uh, kind of assessment on or views on how the NHL is approaching this as a health issue? Well, I'd imagine. Well, I'd imagine that the NHL would do the same thing as the NBA, and it's just open hotels to like, players and team personnel only, and basically have them stay impact in there that they only leave to like go to practice or go to rank, and basically everybody leaves as a group, like nobody goes out on their own. And as you and as you mentioned, the right now. They just determined that the hub cities are more likely than not going to be Edmonton and Toronto, so they would. So the so those players would be uh, camped out there. Do you see at this point any favorites for the twenty twenty Stanley Cup? I mean, I would off the top. I mean, off the top of my head, just based on what we've seen in earlier days, I think it, I think it's reasonable for a lot of people to really. 
I, I mean, this is going to sound cliche, but sort of have high, high bets on the, on the two teams that faced off in last year's Stanley cup final in Boston and St. Louis. They've been, they've been tremendous all year. Boston has led the witness leads the East by quite a few points, but of course they have to, they're going to have to defend their seating and the uh, three uh, in their three, in their three games, they play against the other top four seeds in the East and same and same with St. Louis. I would say another team, I'd say another team sort of in that mix, maybe as an, not an outshot, but always sort of in contention is Colorado. I mean, Tampa Bay will be there, but given how last year finished off, uh, I don't know how many people can exactly trust them per se. And if you had, I mean, and if you had to talk to me about the route, the route of sleepers, man, I, I mean, I, there's so many, I mean, there's just so many different teams that could be sleepers and you never know who could pop off after this like three and a half, or I guess in this case, it would be a four and a half month hiatus. So a lot of it's pretty tough to tell, but a couple of those teams at the top really sort of, I would say, give me the most reason to think of them as top contenders. Ian, when many people think of professional sports without fans in the stands, uh, they think they're going to lose something. My sense with hockey players is uh, if you iced up a driveway, they would get out there and skate and play just because they love doing it. They've been doing it since they're kids. Would that be a fair assessment in your mind? I mean, that's a totally good view of thinking about it. They, I think the only difference is that as adults, they're not just they're just not used to it as much. Although even if they did spend the first 18 years of their life going into their, going into their ponds on their backyards at forever, however many late hours into the night with the light on and spending time on themselves shooting in their backyard. Do you see any long-term impact from COVID-19 going forward uh, for the NHL? Well, I guess you could say this about all leagues, but sort of a lot, I guess not just all leagues, but basically society as a whole is, people taking more precautions to be to basically be sanitary and clean and and whatever whatever long-term effects covid could have on people who test positive from it 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 will definitely affect more than just it will definitely affect more than just the nhl themselves but i would say for the way the game is played when we're not in the midst of a pandemic of a complete pandemic in the stage that we current we are currently in i don't think that would be the case just simply how things are kept just simply how things are kept more clean how maybe how, how equipment could be treated or how, how they clean locker rooms per se and whatnot and this could stretch as far as even our own companies for example and unfortunately we're near the end of our time but i was wondering if listeners wanted any more information uh, on the products particularly the cutlery you're selling where could they go uh, the product, where could they go? Uh, you could, uh, you can check out a lot of our products at cutco.com. It gives you a brief description of many sorts of knives and other types of accessories. You could also check up the website, yourcutcodemo.com, which goes, which does a little brief description of the demo. A lot of us do with you in order to get you to know our products better in a face-to-face interaction. But and if you're also, and if so, if you're, so if you're thinking of getting some products today, I'm more than happy. I'm more than happy to help you. And if you're looking to 
work with us, you can totally contact our manager because my manager, because we have plenty of openings available. That's for certain. Ian, if anyone wanted to contact you directly, how could they do so? They could uh, contact my uh, cell phone number or my email. Could you give us those? That would be uh, 703-677-7604 or ian.dennis at uvm.edu. Well, Ian, this has really been a fascinating exploration. I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me today. You're welcome. And thank you once again for having me. I really appreciate it. This is Tom Fox. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take up another topic and take a deep dive into the weeds of it. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for being a loyal listener. And we look forward to visiting with you again. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please leave a message on the speaker app on the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.